0: Brittany Ross and I play the fiddle.
1: I'm Captain Blentgen and I play the pipe.
0: And together we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians
1: who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff.
0: So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Do you want to do happy hour first
1: or fuck first?
0: I, I thought we were doing fuck first but like it doesn't matter to me. Let's do fuck first. That's fuck okay. <laughs> all right all right katherine i knew you i knew you wanted me but like okay um, britney that something different something new you know it's just it's this pajama shirt i haven't worn this one in a while i just like the astronaut. i just thought i should seduce you hi bartok it's seduce and you have a black cat named bartok
1: that is adding to the sexiness right here look at that perfect pussy Look at that pussy. Uh,
0: Smile for the camera. I did it. Okay, cool. Sorry, Bartok's trying to get something behind my computer. Go, oh, stop, stop, fuck off. Stop, ow, claws, bitch. Okay, Um. stop, don't chew on that. Oh my God, it's like having a
1: two-year-old. If you guys want more uh, cat guest appearances and sexy talk between Brittany and I, because apparently, this is what we do, then you can take a trip to patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. We got two tiers for you. Um, If you want that super sexy, sensual, sensual, yeah, sensual content, then a fiddle and pipe after dark is up your alley. We will be reading different books on this podcast, exclusive books, might I add. Well, the first one's not really super, like, sexy, but hey, you know, Yoda's sexy to somebody. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess, you know, there's a kink for everything, right?
1: There was a time where I thought Hayden Christensen was sexy um, in Revenge of the Sith. Those are dark days. (laughs) Some dark days. (laughs) (laughs) Middle school. (laughs) Those were some dark days.
0: (laughs) those are dark days for everyone
1: (laughs) for everyone but yeah uh we are reading uh different books uh we've read be more yoda and we also read uh 50 shades of gray which will be coming Mm -hmm. out soon so
0: we're obviously a uh small business catherine and i do all the work for this podcast so we really appreciate anyone who thinks that you know what we do is worth your hard-earned money so thank you yeah
1: thank you we appreciate it for real
0: Let's talk about books. But first, I think I yes. have to introduce us because as I've stated before, no one knows who we are on this podcast until I introduce us. So I'm Brittany Ross. That's your name? Um, that over there, that's Bartok. <laughs> uh, Bartok is behind my computer being a shithead. Over there in Denver with working <laughs> internet, unlike myself, but not working water is Catherine <laughs> Flincham
1: <laughs> Fix the darn sprinkler system, Club Monaco, please. I think I'd
0: rather have working water than working internet, so I think I won.
1: Not having water, especially, okay, (laughs) I have the HOA number. They have my number, I'm sure, because I've called them a couple times.
0: They have your number on like a pin-up board and it's- Probably. Just says Karen by it. This Karen keeps calling us about the water.
1: Because it's happened more than once and I've had to call them multiple times like, are they doing like something with the water pipes or something? we didn't get a notice. I just need to know how long the water is going to be shut off in case I need to like get water jugs at the store. Okay.
0: Do you ask to speak to their manager?
1: I talked to somebody named (laughs) Elizabeth. I don't know who they are. I don't, I've never met this person. (laughs) I don't know their position. I just always get referred to this person. They always, like, I think this last time it happened, they were like, oh, we didn't get a notice that they were working on the water. Hmm. I was like oh and then she's like but I did email this one building so maybe I'll email your building too and I was like maybe and the water never came back until like the next afternoon and I was like this is annoying like thanks for the notice
0: <laughs> yeah
1: here's a good little segue I was obviously very very angry on Thursday when my water went out the first time and I was like this is fucked and you know what then I was thinking everything is fucked just like this book that we're reading everything is fucked
0: nice and today <laughs> we're talking about chapter six and seven that was like a Britney level transition right there I'm proud of you
1: I am on coffee number two and I have been awake since 4 30
0: remember how last episode we said that this book kind of took a different flavor from the first few chapters yeah. So I am even more convinced that the first three chapters of this book were just a totally different book and everything else is a different book entirely. It started out as like self-help-esque and now it's very much into like philosophy and psychology.
1: Yeah. I feel like I'm going through like sort of history but um also more like yeah philosophy or psychology class. Mm-hmm. Like one of those kinds of classes, at least. And I've never taken any of those classes, so... As we have mentioned in the last episode, so... Mm-hmm. It's very new to me. I mean, I've heard of, like, some of these people, but I really don't know, like, who they were. I didn't know, like, what they did or, like, what they talked about.
0: Like, out of context. Yeah. I'm interested to see <sighs> some of your pronunciations for things as we move forward.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Because... Uh, I am not the only one who can't pronounce things, uh, as we learned last episode. Naishi! <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing. Yeah, Um. if y'all don't know what we're talking about, I don't know why you haven't listened to the second episode of this book. Pause this, go listen to that episode, and come back on this one.
1: Go back to the second episode. You're missing out. Because now we are on chapter six. The formula of humanity.
0: A big part of this chapter is spent talking about how people process... Like, their thought processes behind what they do, their actions, I guess. He kind of talks about three groups of people. There's children, there's teenagers, there's adults. Children seek pleasure only because it's how they learn and absorb the world. Teenagers are also seeking pleasure, but they understand that they need to, uh, like, navigate a certain set of, like, rules or principles Mm -hmm. to get what their whatever their end result is Mm -hmm. and adults do the right thing because it's the right thing to do
1: yeah it's kind of like a maturity level kind of thing like Mm -hmm. your brain develops like over time thinking this way and then transforms to this way and then this way but also like There was, like, a mention somewhere in the chapter that, like, for adolescents there could be some people where they, like, go past their teenage years, but they're still thinking.
0: Like a teenager?
1: Like a teenager. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, if you think about it, because that's what I was thinking when I first read it, and then when I was, like, rereading over my notes, I was like, doesn't it apply even for adults? Like, aren't there, like, adults out there that act like they're still freaking kids or just, like, they only, like, really think for themselves?
0: Yeah. Because children are selfish and it's, again, it's because of how, how they navigate the world, how they're learning the world. They're, they're mm-hmm. constantly trying to figure out, you know, what's good and what's bad. Mostly their view of good and bad is, like, what feels good or to them or, like, what feels bad to them. The example he keeps jumping back to, I think, is, like, ice cream.
1: Yeah, like, eating ice cream.
0: Yeah, like, eating ice cream is, like, fucking... Sneaking to the fridge. Is fucking great. Like, I will have ice cream any day, but I understand that it's not something you should eat every day because, like, it's high in fat, it's high in sugar. Most ice cream doesn't really have any nutritional value. Also, if you want good ice cream, it's kind of expensive. It's a treat. Yeah. So, it's like, as adults, we understand that we should not be eating ice cream every day, but a four-year-old or a six-year-old or maybe even, like, an eight-year-old doesn't understand that. They're just like, oh, ice cream tastes good. It rewards my serotonin receptors because sugar is processed like serotonin and dopamine in the brain so it rewards Mm -hmm. our reward centers um so they're like yeah i need more of this all the time and they don't understand the consequences of eating ice cream all the time so they just do it because they want to
1: i don't know it just kind of reminded me like when he was giving those examples like sneaking into the freezer and like eating the ice cream i was like i totally did that totally did that a million times and I would try to like be as sneaky and secretive as possible and like get like the tiniest slivers and be like <laughs> I'm still eating this but I'm being
0: secretive about it but no one knows
1: even with cookie dough I did the same thing I would like smooth out like the cookie dough on the top after like I did took, like spoonfuls of it because I was like mm. I just want to be secretive and knowing that like I definitely wasn't here but no Catherine was there I definitely made it obvious. Pretty sure I did. Even though my yeah. five-year-old brain probably, you know.
0: Well, the thing is, is like as adults, it's like really hard to. I think pull wool over most adults' heads, especially like children are like not that sneaky whenever they are trying to be sneaky.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep, I learned that from teaching morning sectionals at 7 a.m.
0: I just learned that from like dealing with kids all the time
1: yeah dealing with like
0: sixth graders they think they're so sneaky all the time I'm like what are like y'all realize I can see and hear everything right I'm like yeah god I know it's
1: great it's fun it makes me realize like wow I definitely deserve this because I was the same (laughs) probably
0: I was a little shit and that's okay, because I think we have to get through that phase in order to... Develop <laughs> and grow. Yeah, in order to, like, be who we are. And that's, like, a normal and acceptable phase. And it only really becomes weird is when you, like, age out of it and you're still in that phase. He says that um, teenagers, even though they might seem like they're a little bit better because they at least can follow, like, a code of ethics, for them, it's... They're still after, like, their own pleasure like what feels good to them Mm -hmm. because everything is a means to an end
1: yes everything
0: is like a bargain and like what do I get out of this it's very transactional
1: yeah like he I think one of the best like examples he did was like we work for money and that's true remember like when you first got like your first job as a teenager when you first baby Brittany
0: you mean when I was working as a bagger for Kroger when I was 15 and I was making five something an hour
1: (laughs) Remember, like, when you first got, like, your first paycheck? Like, the feeling of it's like, wow, I can do whatever I want. I have power.
0: I'm an adult now. Yeah. (laughs) I could go to the movies. I don't have to ask my parents for money for things? Or, like, I don't know. Did you get an allowance as a kid? No. My parents were, like, they did allowances a little bit when we were I feel like maybe elementary school, but as we got into like middle school, probably because you need to, you really do need like wean off the whole allowance thing at some point because you need to instill that like chores mm-hmm. are something that you have to do. Regard- like you don't always get something for doing chores. I,
1: I, I didn't get like a weekly allowance. I, I feel like a, an allowance is kind of like like a weekly thing or something like that. I was just, I just remember like there were some chores where I did get like, a dollar or something, but not all the time. Yeah, I don't remember, like, getting, like, a weekly allowance or anything. I remember I had friends that did, but I also, like, went to, like, private schools, and I'm pretty sure those people had money. (laughs) Towards, like, the end of, like, my elementary school years, I remember, like, I would do certain chores and get, like, paid, like, a certain amount depending on the chore every now and then, but when I was in seventh grade, I think it it wasn't until I finally started walking one of my neighbor's dogs on a normal, regular basis to where that was, like my job, my payment, my allowance, like, basically. My parents kind of, like, saw it like that, too. Yeah. And then, like, after that, they were like, you can do chores for free. <laughs> 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 You're getting money. I mean, I was getting paid pretty well, like, walking this dog every single day because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm responsible. I can be a pet owner. And yeah. I was. Yeah. I can see how it's, like, a good kind of, like, thing to teach, like, a kid, especially, especially, like, if they're not, like, super little, like, maybe when they're a little bit older, when they're kind of, like, Getting to that point where they're kind of, like, getting to the preteen era, like, era, where they're starting to, like, be aware of a little bit more things in their surroundings. I think, like, trying to, like, build, like, hey, if you do this kind of work and get this incentive, things will be able to have a little bit more freedom that you want.
0: The whole allowance thing and chores, I feel like, is twofold. Because, like you said, it's really good to, like, incentivize kids to want to do these things. Because, let's be honest, no one wants to do laundry or clean or dishes or, like, any of that stuff. Yeah, there might be chores that, like, you don't mind doing or you prefer over other chores. But we don't want to do them.
1: No, we don't. You know how many times I wanted to unload the dishwasher? Never. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like, now I'll unload the dishwasher. I don't care. But I remember being Mm -hmm. a kid... I remember, like, my dad would pull the internet. Actually, like, this is before Wi-Fi. Like, this is when, like, you had the Ethernet cable or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Or, like, something that hooked up your internet or to your modem or router or whatever it is. And I just Mm -hmm. remember, like, if I didn't unload the the dishwasher, my dad would just, like, go downstairs. Like, just plug the cord. (laughs) Because I would just be on my computer. Like, on MySpace or whatever. Like, somewhere on the internet. Playing a game. Watching a video. Doing something. And my dad Mm -hmm. would be, like oh, you don't have the internet now. Did you unload the dishwasher? And I'm like, no. And he's like, unload the dishwasher and then I'll put it back on. So that was like literally my incentive. Like I need that internet so I can go back on MySpace. (laughs) I need to fill out that 50 question survey.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Probably sold all my personal information. We, We literally like did that. We literally did. It was just like, here is a note on Facebook of all the basic security questions. (laughs) What's your favorite color? What's your favorite number? What's your favorite book? Who's your best friend? What elementary school did you go to? What's your mom's maiden name? What's your favorite animal? All these random surveys. Anyway, what a time. Kids,
1: don't do this at home.
0: (laughs) But there does come a point where I feel like you do need to not have money as an incentive because then you raise preteens and teenagers and adults who have the perception that if they're not gonna get anything out of it they won't do the chore Mm -hmm. or if they don't do it someone else will do it kind of mentality
1: and that's what i was like thinking too because i was like i feel like there are there are like adults out there that like still kind of think like what am i gonna get out of this kind of
0: or like i don't want to do this so i won't do it
1: yeah. And I've definitely I'll be I'll be honest. I've definitely done that before where it's like, mm-hmm. what am I going to get out of this? I kind of think about thought about that with um in the past with gigs, like when mm-hmm. I started getting really stressed out and frustrated with myself as a musician, like getting asked for free gigs. I would just like ask myself, like, what would I get out of this? Right. I think in certain instances, it makes sense. Like for me, it's like I want to get an experience out of this, but I also need
0: money. Mm-hmm. You need money to live.
1: I need money to live, but Mm -hmm. I love playing music, but yeah, I don't know. It it, kind of like made me think of that, and I was like, am I an adolescent? (laughs) I don't know. I was like kind of second-guessing myself last night.
0: No, I think think everyone has like a transactional relationship with work. Like no one wants to do work, but you need money to survive, so you make the responsible choice to do the work. I think it's more for things that are...
1: Like values, maybe? Yeah, I
0: think it's... Yeah, more values. So like for... Like, doing, I guess, like, doing chores, for example. Like, I do chores not because I want to do them. I do chores because I want to live in a clean house. I do chores because... Exactly. When I have time to do them, I know it's better to do it when I have time as opposed to later when I'm stressed or letting things stack up or I need clean laundry. Because they made fun. I don't know. Like, friendship. Like, if you were to call me out of the blue, I'm not going to be like, ew, Catherine's calling me. Like, I don't really want to deal with her right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be like, no, I like, I value your friendship. Like, what's up? I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to. I mean, I usually don't, but that's okay. <laughs> we do the thing because we know it's right to do the thing, and it's not always mm-hmm. going to be something that we want to do. Like, we don't need an ulterior yeah. motive to do something, basically, if you're in yeah. what he's saying, like, a fully formed mentally adult. Um, You said earlier that there are some adults who act like teenagers. Yeah. Mark says that if people are abused, have childhood trauma, are neglected, mm-hmm. or aren't raised to understand that life is more complicated than their own desires, they have the potential to be stuck in the kid or the teen mindset.
1: That was one thing, yeah. And then but he also said, wasn't it like another thing that like there's some people that are kind of just like they're just like raised that way because like their parents are also like kind of in that same mindset or I'm thinking more like, I guess, like narcissist.
0: Yeah, he did say that if you're raised, basically, if you're raised incorrectly, like you could, you don't, you don't always need to have a really bad thing happen to you, but you could just be raised improperly and then, yeah, be stuck in that mindset and either not change it or like become aware that you have that mindset and then work mm-hmm. on changing it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, there's like different factors, like I guess, like coming where people end up that way, but. I think also, like, that doesn't mean that you're always going to stay that way. If you decide to learn or want to grow and move forward, then you definitely have room to do that, of course.
0: People are constantly, like, constantly, like, moving and changing. So it's not like you're stagnant.
1: And it it just also reminded me, like, with the whole, like, childhood trauma and everything, it kind of goes back to what he said in the last episode children are fragile, basically. Or was Mm -hmm. that the first episode that we talked about that? I think that was the
0: first first one because I think that was the second chapter
1: yeah like they're fragile they like absorb a lot of information so like of course like that's gonna carry on
0: yeah if something happens to you in child I was actually talking about this with my therapist today that's why I was I just got home when you texted me she said that when you have something that happens to you as an adult you can reconcile an easy like before and after Mm -hmm. situation like oh something happened and now I can't do like xyz and it's because of this but when something happens to you when you're a kid your identity and who you are and your sense of self are not fully formed yet so it's hard for you as you grow up to reconcile who would I be if this didn't happen to me because everything becomes like the effects of whatever trauma you went through just become a part of you
1: I think one example that he talked about was like you know being bullied as a kid Like, when you're bullied as a kid, obviously, like, you're going to feel terrible. Because you're going to be like, Mm -hmm. "What's something's wrong with me for being bullied.
0: You're going to have low self-esteem. You're going to feel inferior.
1: As somebody that, I definitely got, like, I I don't think I got, like, bullied all the time. But I definitely got made fun of by, like, certain groups of people. Definitely. And I don't blame them. Because I was a weird kid. And I (laughs) appreciate my weird self, so.
0: I love your weird self, too.
1: Thank (laughs) you. I love your weird self as well.
0: Um, Thanks. <laughs> your
1: sexy, beautiful, weird self.
0: Oh, <gasps> Kat- Catherine, again? Oh my god, this is twice in one episode? You're trying to seduce me? I'm so ready for the next fiddle and pipe after dark. We to cover up
1: Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, I know that, like, some of the experiences that I have dealt with when I was younger with people kind of just, like, treating me like crap as a kid, making Mm -hmm. fun of me for stupid things. I know that definitely, like, my self-esteem definitely has been affected by that as I grown older. And there are times where I don't feel, like, even in my adult life where I felt I was never good enough to be friends with certain people or... I was never pretty enough for anybody to, like, you know, recognize me or... You're
0: pretty enough to be my friend, Catherine.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: I don't surround myself with ugos. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you're trying to be serious. I couldn't resist.
1: <laughs> I just like the word uggo, though. Like, we're that... It, like, reminds me of ego. And I saw egos at the store the other day, and I was, like, looking up breakfast foods, and I was... Like,
0: no. Welcome to Brittany and Catherine's ADHD podcast where we can't stay on topic. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm hungry for waffles. Ooh, let's go to Waffle House. (laughs) I know.
1: Don't get me started, okay? it's (laughs) Finally, it's like the cold, cool, fall, crisp, sad autumn days. I'm I'm loving it. All I want are like warm, hot foods and coffees and that's it. And I can't. (laughs) It's not good for me.
0: (laughs) You're making an adult decision.
1: I am. But yeah, no, I think, it like, I I know that for me personally, like, it's taken me a really long time to kind of, like, to kind of, like, come into terms that, like, you know, like, how people treated me as a kid. One, they were not mature. (laughs) Definitely not Mm -hmm. mature. Also, like, whatever they said back then doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter at all. And Mm -hmm. I'm definitely not, like, who they perceive me as. Like, I'm definitely, like, this is who I am. This is what I look like and I feel great. And I think it's just taken me a long time to really get to that point because things that happened in your childhood really kind of stick to you.
0: I have uh, repressed my childhood trauma over years. It's not that I ever really wanted to deal with it. It just never seemed like an important thing to deal with at the time because I had, like, other stuff going on. So I just had this... Um, I guess, habit of just repression and avoidance, but it was like need-based. It wasn't, I was actively making that decision and I've just started working on reconciling it. So y'all go to therapy, do the hard stuff, do the hard work, because I think that's how you get into the true quote unquote adult mindset is reconciling that like your mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to deal with.
1: Yeah. It is our responsibility. I I always felt like I didn't need to work on my mental health, but I also like didn't ever like grow up knowing like how to work on your mental health. I never grew Mm -hmm. up knowing and like what to do. And I think now that I'm like older and I am in therapy and everything, I think like it doesn't matter like where where you come from, like with your background, everything like that. It's still your responsibility. You can't blame other people for not helping you. It's up to you to figure that out for yourself if you want to be better. Which he says, it's somewhere in this book. I think it might be in the next chapter. But he says something about don't hope for a better life. Make a better life. Or, like, you have to do it yourself. What do you want? Like, how can you make it better?
0: Yeah. The next chapter is, like, really hingent on that. Yeah. Um, I guess chapter um, seven, pain, is the universal constant.
1: I was, like, paid the entire time. But, I mean, didn't he say this, like, earlier in the book or something?
0: Yeah, he did talk about pain previously. I guess the thing that the transitional piece between uh, Chapter 6 and Chapter 7, which we should probably go back and cover because it relates to what you're trying to talk about, is Immanuel Kant's uh, Formula of Humanity, which I have.
1: Is it Kant or is it Kant? I don't know. Where's
0: Google? Okay, uh... Kant. I can't? can't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um I need to find his Wikipedia page, not the um, Stanford page. <laughs> it's Kant.
0: Anyway, his formula of humanity states act at, or sorry, act that you use humanity, whether in your own person or in the person of any other, always at the same time as an end, never merely as a means. Which Brings us back into this, like, you need to act to have hope, and without pain, you don't have hope, because you can't rely, again, you can't rely on, like, other people to do the hard work. Like, you got to do the hard work. Hoping is passive. I think we talked about that in a previous episode. In
1: order to be satisfied, we have to be dissatisfied.
0: There was a study, um, he calls it the blue dot effect, but it studies prevalence-induced concept change, and he had these, or not he, not Mark, but-
1: He did this experiment himself. when (laughs) Very impressive for this book.
0: Some scientists have some people sit in front of a screen and they're like, you know, hit this button every time you see a blue dot and they would do it. But when they started showing less blue dots and showing more like vague dots that were like purpley, people would see blue dots still and like keep hitting the button. So basically the result from that study was That we see what we expect to see uh, with Mm -hmm. things and a threshold is changeable. For example, when progress is made, we perceive threats that aren't there. Mm -hmm. If life gets better, we're not going to see that it's better. It's like how you're never satisfied with how much you make. Like, David or I could go out and get a new job and we could raise our net income by several thousand dollars and it would seem great for a tiny bit of time until we'd be like, oh... Well, we still need more money to, like, pay off debt or home renovations or, like, vet bills or, like, get a new car or whatever, traveling, yeah. whatever we have going on. Wasn't there another study that was um, talking about, it's, like, people rating their own happiness? There was something like that.
1: Like, even at their happiest moments, it was, like, getting married or something like that. They, like, like it was a scale of, like, 1 to 10 on like events in their lives and people were averaging like a seven for like Mm -hmm. big landmark things To and like they were even rating a seven for like you know getting a granola bar or going to get gas something like that like simple everyday things
0: (laughs) yeah people were just like content most of the time and if something good happened because what happened is like the researchers would like I want to say text, but I think it was pager because this te- this survey was like in the, or the study was like in the 90s or 80s or something. But when mm-hmm. they were paged, I guess they were like, what are you doing now? And what would you rate your happiness on a scale of one to 10? If it was, if they were getting married or whatever, they'd be like, I'm a 10 out of 10. But the thing is, is like, it would be like a 10 out of 10 for a tiny bit of time. And then it'd just go back to a seven. It's the same thing yeah. if something really bad happened. Like if someone's cat died, they'd be like, oh, I'm like a two. But you know, in a few weeks, they'd be back at a seven.
1: Exactly. We are... Content people, which, like, I'm okay with. I'm very content about it.
0: You are content with that fact? (laughs) I feel seven about it.
1: I feel very, yeah, very seven about this. (laughs) Is that our new phrase? I feel very seven about this.
0: I feel very seven.
1: (laughs) But, like, I mean, if you think about it, like, that's how, I mean, I've been feeling like that, like, a little bit more, more of a seven. Like, discontent enjoying, like, every day, letting every day go by, and, like, everyone's like, how's everything going? And I'm just like, it's going. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's a seven. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna say that from now on. It's a seven. I feel like that's a good measure, too, because, I i mean, normally you're not, like, super ecstatic, but I feel like just your normal state of contentness is, yeah, it's like about a seven, because normally you're just kind of, like, you know, slightly better than average. <laughs> slightly over the mediocre mark yeah (laughs) because i mean it can't be like mediocre all the time or else it'd be awful and you'd be like depressed right that's like a four that's a four yeah yeah i I feel like a seven yeah sevens (laughs) but what that means is uh with the study where we saw that we see what we want to see like happiness is also a movable tangible thing and mm-hmm. that's why you have these phrases like, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like, honey, just because you buy that brand spanking new house doesn't mean you're going to be happier. Exactly. Uh, he argues that the pursuit of happiness is self-defeating and impossible because our sense of happiness is relative.
1: It's like a social construct, I feel like. I don't know. This book makes me feel like everything we like have said and done is like made up.
0: If we think about it in his perspective, the pursuit of happiness would be very, like, materialistic. Like, I always need to get the new thing. And if our happiness is just gonna, like... It's just more materialistic. Yeah. This, like, like, you get married. Like, we'd be, like, thrilled. You know, we'd be, like, ecstatic for probably a little bit. Probably, like, I don't know, a few months. And then it would just kind of... Life would kind of coast back to a seven. Yeah. And that's what happens. I mean...
1: Are you feeling a seven right now?
0: Uh, I'm thinking about how seven I feel. (laughs) So if the pursuit of happiness is something that we shouldn't really do because we're never going to be, like, super happy, does that mean life is, like, just depressing and painful and awful? And
1: I don't think so. I think it's just more like and i guess maybe like this is just how i kind of like think of it it's just kind of like live how you want to live your life
0: so pain is something that we can't avoid and it's part of being content and being happy because we need a bad to balance out the good basically right
1: like pain is basically an ev- like it's inevitable and mm-hmm. it's more like how how can we react to this pain how do we how do we work through the pain react to it
0: Yeah, and we do this in every part of our lives. If you think, like, the two examples that I thought of are, like, long-distance running and childbirth. That requires work. All of it. Yeah, people can run for hours on end, and, I mean, it does hurt your body, but, like, it's good for your body. But you run for hours on end, and you try to find, like, enjoyment in the pain. And, I mean, I've never gone into labor, but my understanding of it is... You know, labor can last anywhere from, like, a few hours to over 24 hours. It's just, like, an all-out endurance vest, from my understanding. Yeah. It sounds long. But people get through it.
1: Yeah, they get through it.
0: So, like, you gotta have, like, the mental... How do you, like, mentally f- have the mental fortitude to get through that pain? He talks about meditation. Is meditation something that you do actively? Yeah. And I honestly,
1: like last night, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes sense. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was having also a revelation because I was like half asleep when I was reading this too. So I was like a little, <laughs> a little loopy. I've never really like dove into like Buddhism. Like I know like basic historic things about where Buddhism came from, but I don't really know much about like what...
0: Like the specifics.
1: Yeah, specific things. But I liked this paragraph. It's on page 186. The Buddha said that suffering is like being shot by two arrows. The first arrow is the physical pain. It's the metal piercing the skin, the force colliding into the body. The second arrow is the me- mental pain, the meaning and emotion we attach to the being struck, the narratives that we spin in our minds about whether we deserve or didn't deserve what happened. In many cases, our mental pain is far worse than any physical pain. In most cases, it lasts far longer. Through the practice of meditation, the Buddha said that if we could train ourselves to be struck only by the first arrow, we could essentially render ourselves invincible to any mental or emotional pain. I thought that was really interesting because like I've always like thought of meditation as just something where like it's time for me to definitely yes like sit down and take a moment for myself to like find my breath and to you know just kind of like work through just like finding some moment of peace especially when I'm feeling like anxious or stressed out I did it yesterday after towards the end of my day when I was like I still don't have water but I need to make dinner but I also need to work out because I really want to work out. And then I finished working out and the water was still not there. And I was like, I just need to meditate for a second. The water ended up coming back like during the meditation,
0: which was like fine. You meditated the water back. <laughs> it was like around
1: the perfect time. I-, I don't know. I've never really thought of meditation as like something where, like this is work for you to work out your thoughts. Like you for you to sit down and to like observe each thought. It's like training you to like you know help you mentally when you are feeling like ah I don't know the way that paragraph was written I it just
0: made a lot of sense to me. I like meditating. I don't really do it very often. I probably should. It'd be good for me. But I've done it before when you and I took yoga together at Kennesaw, and I also used to take. Oh yeah, at the end of the at
1: the end of each class, we were like, was it savasana? Is that what's it called? i don't remember when we like you lay down on the mat-, mat and you meditate and then they play that awesome like cool music and i was like i feel like i'm in space <laughs> this was my first experience with yoga y'all i'm sorry if you love yoga and that's like your thing i i love yoga too but at the time when we were doing it at ksu i had no clue what i was doing you guys <laughs> no clue i'm being very honest <laughs>
0: There was a yoga class at the Y that I took to around the same time and they did something similar where for the last like five or 10 minutes of each class, they would turn off the lights and play some like light music and you'd meditate. I mean, it is an interesting mental exercise to just like allow your brain to wander and do whatever and acknowledge each thing, but not really do anything with it. Just kind of be like, okay, you're there. Hi, bye. Like catch and release Mm -hmm. fishing, I feel like.
1: I try to just focus more on my breath. And I think that helps me a little bit more, like concentrating, that just like focusing on how I'm breathing. Because I, I think, I mean, again, I'm a woodwind player <laughs> I have to think mm-hmm. about that when I'm playing flute. And I've been trying to do that a little bit more in my flute practice too, like how I'm breathing, being aware of my breath, all that. It really helps me concentrate if I'm doing long tones and I'm thinking about my breath, or if I'm practicing scales and I'm thinking about my breath. My breath, wow, I can't speak today. it's been a very long morning i think like whenever i think focus on my breath when i'm meditating i just feel like i'm like this machine
0: (laughs) you feel centered
1: feel very centered yes and grounded and grounded yeah but uh, i Mm. mean like do i do it every day no i'll be really honest i don't do it every day i try to do it especially like if i have like a little open window I'm like, I'm going to use this time to meditate, then I'll do it. I've been doing it more daily than I've have ever done meditations. I think it's just like through the program that I meditate through. It's just like so easy to like open the app and be like, okay, like I can just do that. It's not calm. It's like obey, obey fitness. So it's a nice like relaxer.
0: I should probably do more of that.
1: Yeah. If there are days where I definitely don't have time to work out, but I do have like a small window of time, like 10 minutes, then that's when I try to get at least like some time to meditate.
0: And you do something for yourself. Yeah.
1: Cause like working out for me is like time for myself, time for me to like do what I want to do. Cause I Mm -hmm. like working out. I like that mobility because it really does help me. And I used to find that to be meditation, (laughs) like being active. That's why I got into running because running really help me out with a lot of things like it's very therapeutic and when I don't have the opportunity to do that because there are days like where that's like that meditating for like five to ten minutes is like my second thing that I want to do
0: yeah I guess I've started seeing because I run a lot but I've started seeing like the long distance runs that I'm doing as I guess I mean it's not like meditation per se because I'm doing something and therefore like distracting myself a little bit but I do see it as a way or sorry as a time where I can just like think and let my mind go and yeah kind of work through things and acknowledge things and let them go so it is a similar exercise yeah. I feel like I always find it really good for me mentally because I can like think through things or like things just kind of pop up and I'm like why am I feeling this way
1: Yeah. then that's how I see running too. Because like when I have that opportunity to just like run, especially like on when I have time, I'm like, I'm just going to take advantage of this and just go Mm -hmm. and listen to like my favorite music in the background, like keeping the beats and just going and enjoying Mm -hmm. myself and feeling good. I think like a lot of people, and remember like a lot of people when I first started running or when I was like running more when I was in college, I remember people were like, oh, are you doing this? Are you doing this marathon? Are you doing this, like, race? Whatever. Peachtree? Yeah. 5K, yeah. Are you doing the peach tree? And I remember people asked me that, too, and I was like, no, I'm not doing the Petri race in July. Like, no, I'm not getting up at 4 in the morning to
0: show up. <laughs> it's so fun. You need to do it once.
1: I know. I just like to sleep. But <laughs> also, I never sleep because I wake up at 4 in the morning, I guess. But anyway.
0: Also oh, you wake up at the perfect time to do it.
1: Exactly. I I do. Literally. I would just tell people that I just ran for myself a lot. And a lot of people would just like kind of give me this weird look about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what? Like, is that a bad thing? I just run for fun. Like, this is something that's
0: helpful for me. Keep in mind, we were in college. So we weren't exactly the healthiest people then. Yeah. There's a, uh, a mathematician and an essayist that Mark talks about. And his name is Nazm Talib, maybe? Talab. So he talks about anti-fragile systems, which are systems anything that gets stronger with stress or use. So this is why your brain like really benefits from activities like meditation or like thinking hard thoughts like therapy and mm-hmm. Thinking while running and stuff like that is because you're diving deep. Yeah, your brain, your mental health gets better when you add stress on it, I guess.
1: When you do the work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not like stress, like, ah, I'm so stressed, but when you Yeah.
1: You like kind of find the root of the problem.
0: To stress something like to put an pressure on it, yeah.
1: Yeah, like you're trying to like find the root of the problem. You're trying to like do the work. To see what's up with your brain.
0: Yeah. And another thing that separates adults from children and teens is that we understand that life requires some amount of pain, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Again, you need it so that way you can be happy or content or feel seven. <laughs> <laughs> we feel seven right now. <laughs> feel very seven. And very seven. Um, that's, that's more or less the end.
1: Yeah. This was very, like, very philosophical, though. Like... It
0: was. I'm enjoying (sighs) these in-depth conversations with you. Oh, thanks. I try. I'm, like, (laughs) feeling like we're dental flossing our brains.
1: (laughs) Dental flossing our brains. This doesn't help that I've been re-watching Grey's Anatomy, by the way. I've gotten back into this horrible, dark place on Netflix and... Right now I'm watching a lot of Meredith Grey hanging out with Derek Shepherd, in the neurosurgery of their lives. I don't know, but they're dealing a lot with brains and I'm just like, hmm, interesting. Very ironic. I don't know. Very coincidental. Who knows? But I'm like visualizing brains and I'm like, ooh, like what's inside of the brain? It's a very mysterious organ. It is a really mysterious organ, actually, and that is what I remember from anatomy class. The brain is the only thing that named itself. And you really can't survive without it. As I've learned from Grey's Anatomy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the brain is wild. If you Uh, love our brains, uh, please consider joining our Patreon. We plugged it at the beginning. um, So, again, if you want that link, it is patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe i almost forgot what it was for a second um um if you
1: love our brains but can't donate to our patreon we totally understand times are definitely interesting let's just say that inflating yes inflating like a balloon (laughs) On a hot (laughs) summer day, which is not now. Feel free to rate us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because we highly appreciate it. And we would like to know what you think about the podcast. What do you think about our brains? What do you think about your brain? What about Mark Manson's brain?
0: Let us know. (laughs) All the brains. All the brains. Give us the dental floss on all the brains. And if you want more of our brains, you know, you want to see what our brains are up to in our day-to-day lives, you can follow us on social media. Um, I am at BM Ross Music. Catherine is at Cat Flinch Flute. You can also find Catherine on at Fiddle and Pipe. Uh, She runs our social media page, so that's Mm -hmm. 99.9% her. Uh, We also have a TikTok. I don't know the stuff for that because I'm old and I don't use TikTok.
1: It is at Fiddle and Pipe. Nothing new. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, we also have Facebook for, you know, our baby boomers and our older millennials. Uh, you can find us at Fiddle and Pipe Forum. Is that it? Oh, uh, this is going to be released on Thanksgiving week. So, happy Turkey Day. If y'all are celebrating Thanksgiving, hope you're enjoying your friends and family. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving for any reason, hopefully you have a wonderful week. Hopefully your travel wasn't expensive or annoying because traveling during thanksgiving is like the worst time to travel Mhm, it is it is yay tis the season tis the season to be jolly Christmas.
1: i should be quiet a little bit i think what do you want to take another nap <laughs>